And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome back. I'm Tom Laurie, and today our guest is Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and Harvard career advisor, Gork Ng. Gork specializes in coaching first-generation low-income students. He is the author of Unspoken Rules, Secrets in Starting Your Career Off-Right. Today, Gork and I are going to focus on what I wished I had known when I started college and what I wished I had known when I started my last year in college. This is a show not only for students, but for their parents, grandparents, and school counselors. So, Gork, welcome back again to The Mentors. Glad to have you back. What have you been up to since we uh, last talked? <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for having me back. It was such a con- fun conversation last time, and I'm excited for, for round two. Since we last talked about 10 or so months ago, it's been a busy time. I've been spending a lot of my time engaging with employers, large and small, companies like Aon, GE, IBM, and others, on developing their talent development strategy, helping them understand how to best onboard, retain, engage, and promote their early career talent, as well as working with employee resource groups and business resource groups, help their professionals from underrepresented backgrounds, perform their best, become more confident professionals, and hopefully ascend to positions of leadership. More recently, I've also taken on a new role as a faculty member at the University of California, Berkeley, where I've been teaching a course based on the unspoken rules of career navigation. So wearing a few hats at the same time, but having fun along the way. Busy guy taking (laughs) off. So what's your big, so what a few things going on. So in the course of a year, what's the biggest learning that you've had? So my biggest learning is that what is a must for some is good for all. So when I first started this book and our conversation last time was on the unspoken rules as it relates to what young people need to know transitioning from school to work. However, over the course of my conversations with Fortune 500s, I've started realizing that this isn't just a question for early career hires and their frontline managers. Actually, there are professionals across the organization who feel trapped, who feel stuck, and who are struggling with these same unspoken rules. So actually, my audience has evolved, has expanded really, from early career professionals to now professionals across the organization. And it's also led to conversations with senior leaders around how to build a culture where everyone feels excited, supported, and valued. It's really a conversation across the enterprise. So if anybody wants to listen to the show that we did uh, less than a year ago, you can go to our website, thementorsradio.com, go to list of shows on the toolbar, and in the search box, put Gork Ng, G-O-R-I-C-K-N-G, and the show will pop up and you can listen to it. And we'll also add that to our links at the show notes. So we have that. Well, today we're going to do, I guess we could do unspoken rules about starting your freshman year or unspoken rules about starting your senior year, such a, a very important event for so many and so many families as uh, people go on uh, to start their first year. And what would you, let's get started. So at the highest level, what is most important for a, let's talk about the freshman now, somebody coming into college at the highest level, what is it they should be thinking about? For someone just starting off in college or really anyone in higher education, It's important to realize and to remind yourself that it's actually more than just about the school experience. It's more than just about what's in the textbook. It's about more than just what is written on the chalkboard. When I think about career navigation, it's really about navigating five forms of capital. The first is financial capital. 
That's probably what we think of first when we think of the word capital. The second is temporal capital, so how well you're using your time, which is really the crux of this entire conversation. But when I think about career navigation, there are also three additional forms of capital. There's human capital, which is what you know and what you can do. There's social capital, which is who you know. And there's reputational capital, which is who knows you and what they know you for. What does this look like when it comes to the college or higher education experience? Well, when I was approaching college, I thought it was all about putting your head down, doing your homework, getting good grades, and you'd get this piece of paper that you can then cash in for a well-paying and fulfilling career. What I didn't realize is that school is just one aspect of the experience. It's important to join clubs and organizations on campus, especially those that relate to your future career path. It's important to meet your professors, meet staff, meet your fellow classmates. And if you're just starting off in your first year, actually from a career building perspective, the most quote unquote helpful students you can meet are actually those who are in their third and fourth year of university. Why? Well, it's because when you're now in your third and fourth year and looking for that job, the students you met that were just about three or four years ahead of you, they're now the ones coming back on a campus, reviewing resumes, meeting for coffee chats, and ultimately making the decision on who to hire. And so that relates to the last form of capital, which is reputational capital. It's important to build that resume. It's important to build those relationships and to leave that positive first impression because that's what people are going to be relying upon when you're now looking for a job later on in your college career. Let's go back to the temporal, which I believe is number two, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's talk a little bit because this is something a lot of people don't understand. They get it in college somewhere along the way. Many do, particularly those in the uh, engineering uh, group. The Pareto principle. Do you ever... I mean, do you, I mean, I, that's a very important piece of advice. Maybe uh, you can talk about the Pareto principle and how that pertains to everything we do, uh, and and in this case, certainly college life. Yeah, well, the the Pareto principle is colloquially called the eighty twenty rule, if that's what you're referring to. Yes, where there is a good enough point to to everything is one interpretation of things. And the other interpretation of things is that there are a certain set of things that you can do that will lead to the biggest gains in whatever you're doing. So from the first perspective, it's important to understand what is good enough. So getting a good set of grades is important, but is it really going to matter all that much to have a 87% average versus an 86% average? At a certain point, it's going to be other factors that will drive your success. And at the same time, when it comes to the other d- approach to the Pareto principle, it's important to understand what are the few things you can do in college, one of which is, for example, getting internships that will lead to the biggest career outcomes to you long-term. Well, let's come back and talk some more about that. We're going to be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Harvard College career counselor, Gork Ng, who authored the best-selling Unspoken Rules. You can go to our website, thementorsradio.com, and click on past shows to find many of our great guests. This is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to The Mentors Radio Show. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. feelgreat.vip to learn more. 
Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com and mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Wall Street Journal bestselling author and Harvard student advisor, Gord Eng, and we're talking about what I wished I had known when I began my freshman and senior year in college. So we were talking about the Pareto principle, and as an engineer, the way I approach it, I'll just throw this out, is that when you look at particularly, and I'm in business, I run a business. If you look at your inventory, if you look at your sales, look at a lot of things, you'll find out 20% of your customers are responsible for 80% of your sales. 20% of your profits are probably attributed to, or 80% of your profits attributed to 20% of your customers. And on and on, it just applies to so much. And obviously, it's not a strict 80-20. It may be 15, uh, 75, all that. But in, it gives you a general idea. So coming back to using your time, and you mentioned that, uh, what's your goal and where are you spending your time? Uh, you can, and uh, particularly in this day and age, and you're you're the one that's with all the college students. I, I imagine time management's a big issue. What oh you, yes. What are some of your observations where people lose time? Well, I think the biggest thing that contributes to all of these other symptoms is a lack of a clear life direction. So I interact with students every day, and the common pattern I observe and I'm sure many folks who are beyond the college years can relate to this as well, is a sense of aimlessness and directionless, where unfortunately, as a result of our education system, we're shuffled along and we're expected to run before we can walk or specifically start taking classes, start declaring majors before we even have a sense of what are we hoping to get out of this experience? Where do I see myself in 10 years? And all of this leads to that anxiety-provoking, where do you see yourself or tell me about yourself question that comes up in every interview that, frankly, most if not all of the college students I advise struggle with because they haven't had that chance to figure out, well, why am I even here? What, how does this education fit in with my broader goals? I'm thinking back to when, when I was in, the, in this position and I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to rummage through the course catalog, pick whatever classes, maybe show up to some extracurricular events. But I was frankly aimless and directionless. And it was this aimlessness and directionlessness that led to me trying to really push on all fronts, do as best I could on every class, try to become president of every club, go to every event, go to every recruiting session. That burned me out. Um, and, and I see that day in, day out with students where if we could have more intentional conversations with our advisees, with our children, with our younger siblings around, hey, actually what you're hoping to do, what it seems like you're interested in is a career as an entrepreneur in the future. Well, maybe if that's the case, you should think about taking this class on, on, on basic economics. You don't need to maybe take the advanced concepts, just taking this economics 101 course would be sufficient. And maybe with this extra time on nights and weekends, you can join the entrepreneurship club and maybe dabble in this venture. And oh, by the way, maybe you should plug into this community because you might meet your co-founder there. Being more intentional is really the start of applying this Pareto principle. And since you're in the frying pan, <laughs> what? 
Do you have some idea of what the percentages of uh, students that come into college and change their major in the first couple of years? <laughs> I, I, I mean, that happens all the way throughout a career. I'm sure it's the same in uh, college as well, right? Yeah, I don't have the exact statistics, but I, I could imagine just applying the Purdue principle again, I'd imagine it's around 80%. Of course, this this depends on what school you're looking at. So some schools will track you down a particular professional path pretty early on, and you have to declare your major uh, right from the get-go from your college application. Other colleges like Harvard, for example, are liberal arts institutions. So you actually don't declare your major, your concentration in the Harvard context until your second year. So it really depends on which institution. And, and for those who might be listening to the show outside of the US, I mean, there are other systems out there, for example, the European system, the German system, um, the UK system, where you could, for example, pursue medical school right from the get go. And that tracks you pretty early on. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with Harvard student counselor, Gork Eng. Yeah, the... Uh, Let's so I mean you got to you got to embrace the fact that things may change. I mean part of it is going to college is learning, yep. and the more you learn, the more you're going to see things you hadn't seen before, which I'm sure influences uh, and the people you meet. Uh, as long as you're out there meeting people, uh, let's talk a little bit now about the um, reputational part, which today is so important. I, I know that downstream. When people get out of college and they want to go work somewhere, people go online and look at their Facebook pages and everything else. And that's that gets that reputation. It's one thing for people to know you. The question is, how do they know you? Talk about some of the dark alleys that students go down in college uh, that take them off the right path. <laughs> it, it happens all the time. And I, I'd first frame this conversation of reputational capital in two ways. There's your digital identity and there's your analog or your in-person identity. So let me start off with the latter, where the relationships you build and the impressions you give off to other people can stick with them. So I'm thinking back to a call that I got uh, a number of years ago from a friend of mine who was a part of the same pre-professional club. He and I hadn't talked in several years, and he reached out to me, and he said, hey, it looks like you're connected on LinkedIn to so-and-so. Are you by chance close enough to this person to tell me a little bit more about who they are and whether they're reliable? And I thought, whoa, this happens? And I, I didn't know this person all too well, but I did have a positive impression of them, and I shared that... We, we crossed paths with in maybe one or two classes. We may have worked on one project together and seemed like this individual had a good head on their, on their shoulders. That's really the extent of it. And this, this friend of mine said, okay, that's great. I'm just trying to do my quote unquote due diligence in business speak. And he was calling around to people that he noticed this individual was connected to on LinkedIn. So that happens. Um, I, and, and that happens just as much in the workplace as well, where when you get assigned to a particular manager, there's probably a good chance that, well, from the employee's perspective, they're probably asking around to figure out who's worked with you before and were you a good manager to them? And vice versa, this manager is probably also asking around trying to figure out who are you as a teammate? And this happens just as much as I've seen among college friends later on in life. What I will often tell students, and I actually just told this to my first class of students at the University of California, Berkeley, is that if you look left and you look right, the students that you are sitting next to, they are now a part of your network in a positive or a negative way, where you will very likely cross paths with them again. They might become your co-founders. They might become your colleagues. They might be the hiring manager on the other side. And so it's not a recipe for being paranoid, but it is a call to action to, number one, build these relationships, to nurture these relationships, and three, be reliable. So if you're in that group project, do a good job. If you commit to something, do what you say you will do. That's on the analog side. And then on the digital side, this is where we get into your online presence on social media, having a website, having a LinkedIn profile, which is I consider really table stakes at this point. 
And my advice for college students and young professionals is number one, have a LinkedIn profile. Two, have your entire work history there and be detailed about where you've worked, the positions you've held, and the specific bullet points that explain what you contributed and what you accomplished. That way, people can actually search you up because this is how job hunting works in the 21st century. You have recruiters that scour the internet in search of someone who's had relevant experience before. And so if you don't have your entire work history online and present it in a detailed manner and professionally, you're invisible. And if you're invisible, people can't give you opportunities because they, well, can't give you credit for what you've done. We'll be right back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Harvard career consort, Gork Eng, who authored the best-selling Unspoken Rules. Remember, you can now listen to our Saturday broadcast on iHeartRadio or afterwards, anytime, anywhere, by subscribing to our podcast at TheMentorsRadio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com and mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Wall Street Journal bestselling author and Harvard student advisor, Gorg Ng. We're talking about what I wished I had known when I began my freshman and senior year. And uh, as we, uh, one thing I wanted to mention about the going down these dark paths so I'm a lot older than you are, and I go back often to see, which is amazing to me when I look back, which you will too. You'll have that opportunity, God willing. You have a long life. So I see kids that I went to high school with, uh, people I went to college with, people that when I first met them, they were had incredible potential. Uh, and then as I go through life, I find out uh, 
all sorts of issues came into play because there are curveballs. Then it's a question of how you respond to the curveballs. But people that got involved, particularly, it's amazing to me, the drugs and alcohol, how big an issue that is. And you see this later in life with so many people. And uh, Clay Christensen, who taught at Harvard, uh, talks a lot about this in his book about his class. But that's one I, I've always said, take some of these people, get them on a stage and get the students in a room and have these people say, well, I did this and I did. And this, this is where it took me. Because at the end of the day, um, it's not about how much money we make. It's really about the life that we can enjoy uh, and uh, the peace and happiness that it can give us. So coming back to, I mean, one of the things for parents is to ask their kids, where do you want to, what, what is the goal? It's not just a career goal, but at the end of life, what do you really want to achieve? Where, where do you want to be? What kind of life do you want to have? So all of that plays into um, how they think about it. I want to talk just a second because it's such a hot issue for me personally, not that I have the problem sleep deprivation it's real it's, it's real, real. <laughs> and in college it's brutal oh absolutely i mean i i i picked up i mean it, i picked up this caffeine habit um it started in high school it continued on into into college and i remember it wasn't until my senior year that i started in senior spring specifically when i could finally ease up and take a deep breath, that I got off the caffeine, I finally started getting enough sleep. And I remember there was this one time I walked out of my dorm in the morning. And I was just standing there. And I did a little sniff. And I thought, the air is sweet. And I just felt so alive, I could hear the birds chirping the the blue sky above me. And I just felt like a completely different and new person. And all it took was a good night's amount of rest, which then prompted me as as the potential, <laughs> as a slight overthinker, um, I started thinking, well, could I have had this sooner? And I would say there are aspects of it that could have happened sooner and aspects of it that couldn't. It could have definitely happened sooner if I had been more intentional with my time, if I had figured out what do I need to be excellent at versus what do I need to merely be good enough at? What are the, what are the corners that I could have cut versus what are the things that I really need to focus on coming back to this Pareto principle? So time management could have led me to have more sleep. Absolutely. There were at the same time, things that are outside of students control. I mean, the four and sometimes more than that course course load every semester the fact that, well, you're around students who are also not sleeping. So parties and extracurricular activities run late into the night. Um, and the job search process is also stressful, where in addition to going to class and doing your homework, I had employers who were saying, hey, we want to invite you to New York City tomorrow. Can you hop on a train and come on over? And I thought to myself, wait a second, I have a midterm tomorrow. How am I going to balance the two? So it was this trial by fire that led to not a lot of sleep that I wish I'd got, I had had. So, I mean, the bottom line is you're working through all of this in college, you're learning a discipline on time, prioritization, what's really most important, cutting out those things that are, I mean, if you want to have fun, don't get me wrong. I mean, that's a big <laughs> part of college life, but I've seen it taken to the extreme. And as I've gotten older, there's a lot more being written today about sleep deprivation and the impact on health, particularly as you move into your 50s and 60s. And you mm -hmm. can't pick it up. You can't go back and recover it. Uh, right. it's, it's something to manage now. So that's a, I, I bring that up because that's I'm seeing more and more about sleep. And then when you talk about being outside and smelling the air, exercise. How important is getting out and exercise? Forget about the parties. That's one thing. But being outdoors and exercise and being fit and eating right. Yep. Sleep, diet, exercise, the, the trifecta that gets neglected and ignored. Um, and, and I think this is part of the conversation that I wish educators would have with students, which is that, well, I don't know if this uh, was a framework that you had tossed around with your friends, Tom, but I remember at the start of college, folks would send around this, this infographic or this meme showing good grades, sleep, and a social life. Pick two. 
<laughs> and in a way, it's true. And I, what I wish our educators would, would, would have a conversation about is, hey, look, let's be real. You're probably not going to be able to finish all of the readings for this class. And by the way, if I were in your position, I probably wouldn't do all the readings either because we're just going to throw more at you expecting that you'll do 100% when really it's just impossible. So let's have a conversation about what does good enough look like and what does excellent look like. And it's going to be different depending on who you are and what your goals are. Well, that's a great lesson to learn while you're in college because life is like that. You have to make these choices. Uh, so I, I have a, um, a grandson that just graduated from Cal. I think I may have mentioned that to you. And I asked him what he, looking back, since he's a fresh graduate, and one of the things he uh, mentioned, I think you touched on, is join a club, fraternity, sorority, fellowship, or some group, not only for the social aspect, but also something that allows you to travel with the group and do things. He was in the volleyball club. He was the president of the volleyball club. So any thoughts on that? And I've heard this a lot about don't just think about the education. And the social is not parties. It's social in a broad sense, meeting people, right? Absolutely. And it's helpful to think about at the end of college and, and frankly, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what are the things you're, that you're going to remember? You're going to remember the relationships that you had and the relationships that you had. The experiences come as a result of those relationships. What happened on the fourth week of calculus class that probably isn't going to be top of mind for you. Nor will you even remember, frankly, uh, how to do calculus if that doesn't end up being a core part of your career. So considering college as a social capital building opportunity is, is essential. And there's been plenty of research that has shown that that is really the crux of what it takes to be upwardly mobile. It's about having friends in a different socioeconomic rung in the ladder it's about who you know. It's about who can pull you into opportunities. That's what's going to get you a job long term, and that's going to what that and these, it's going to be these relationships that will lead to this fulfilling life, not necessarily what you get out of the textbook. And that's also something that I wish more faculty members would talk about: is to be honest that hey, school is only a fraction of what the school experience is supposed to be about. We're going to come back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Harvard College career counselor Gore King, who authored best-selling *The Unspoken Rules*. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured My Pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. 
Welcome back. This is Tom Laura, and I'm with Wall Street Journal bestselling author and Harvard student advisor, Gork Ng. We're talking about what I wish I had known when I began my freshman and senior year. I want to come back just for a second to um, LinkedIn and how important that is. Uh, there's still people in the work world that don't understand the value of that. And when you can start to learn how to write your a summary of who you are and also list your, your skills and all the things, and one of the things I mentioned to people when you're writing your LinkedIn profile, talk about your ability to solve problems. Um, I have a fundamental belief that all jobs exist because there's a problem to be solved and people today are looking for problem solvers. Uh, then on this, um, the, the, when you were talking about these relationships, the relationships aren't just between the students, it's with teachers as well, right? I mean, they can pull you into things. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So so two very important topics on the LinkedIn front. Uh, when I think of resume bullet points, which I'd encourage anyone to copy and paste into their LinkedIn profile and, and be comprehensive about it, don't think of your bullet points as a chronology of your job descriptions or what you were paid to do, but rather see these bullet points as a list of your contributions and accomplishments. So there's a difference between saying, completed tasks as assigned, which by the way, I've seen as a resume bullet point, which doesn't say very much at all, except for, well, you showed up to work and you did your job versus saying something like managed a team of five to redesign the company website using HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and Figma leading to a 20% increase in conversions across a visitor traffic pool of 500,000 people. I'm just totally making this up. I, I made it up just now. But the first one just says nothing more than, well, I showed up to work and, and, and did what I was told versus the second one, which uses impactful verbs, impactful nouns, and impactful numbers that give people a mental picture, a mental image of what you actually did. Because what people are ultimately asking themselves when they're reading your resume is, can I trust that you have a good head on your shoulders? Can I trust that you can work with other people? Can I trust that you can take initiative and go above and beyond? And can I trust that you've essentially done this job before? Even though it, you, you really haven't, but you can frame and translate your experiences in a way that gives me confidence that even if you haven't done this precise job before, that you have the skills, you have the mindsets, you have the attitude to be able to do this. So essential, reframing these bullet points on your LinkedIn profile so people give you credit. Please. Well, I was just going to say, and it's, I, we talk a lot about the people that are in the workforce, but this can be done in college as well. I thinking about what you said, you join clubs, you can become an officer in a club, talk about what you contributed. You, you've got to build, no, I don't want to say got to, it would be cool if you could build a series of stories that you can tell about yourself. So when you get out of college, you've, these are going to be your stories that, uh, and they're going to be realistic. That's spot on. Um, at any point in your career, whenever you find yourself in an interview situation, you will inevitably get a certain set of questions. You will get the question of tell me about yourself, which is going to be the first question. And then following that, you're going to have a bunch of tell me about a time when questions. So tell me about a time when you disapproved of your supervisor's decision. Tell me about a time when you had to solve a problem. Tell me about a time when you disagreed with a coworker, had conflict with a coworker. Tell me about a time when you had to lead a project. I'm just making these up. But you will get a series of these tell me about a time when questions. And the best way to approach these questions with confidence is by having a bank of four, five, six, seven stories that you can repurpose regardless of what you're asked. So in, in my case, I remember uh, running a dry cleaning business on campus. And one of the things we did was launch a new product line where we would deliver folks clean laundry back to their dorm rooms. And that had a whole series of issues. I mean, I disagreed with my manager. I had to lead a team. I had someone who was let go. I had someone who quit. I can now take that story and repurpose it no matter what I'm asked. And that's what you want to be in as well as a college student. And one of my other grandchildren who's in college, and I said, keep your door open in the dorms. 
especially in the beginning. It's a quick way to make friends. Any thoughts about that? It's it's true. It's true. I mean, everyone's had the experience of that first day, first week, first month in school when it's always really awkward because no one knows each other yet. Well, actually, that's the best time to meet people because you're feeling uncomfortable about it. Well, you know, everyone else is feeling uncomfortable about it as well. So all it takes is for someone to say, hi, I don't think we've met. I'm so-and-so. Nice to meet you to break the ice. And keeping the door open just reduces the friction to interacting with other people. What I also advise is to be in high traffic areas. So if you have a dining hall, be there. If you have the first day of a club meeting, be there. If there are social events happening on campus, be there. These are all really hidden opportunities for you to say hi to people and convert these people from stranger status to acquaintance status. And once you convert them to acquaintance status, you now have permission to say hello to them when you walk by them on your way to class. And a few of them you might turn into allies and friends. And that's when you start sharing notes with each other, start sharing opportunities with each other. And one or more of these people could become your best friend. All it starts with is for you to say hello or reduce the friction to saying hello. And over the weekend, somebody mentioned to me, or or no, it was uh, actually Dan Heath, who was my guest last week. Uh, We were talking about life and students. And he said, the ones that are the happiest are the ones that are curious. And, you know, I look at college, you've got all these uh, wonderful teachers, courses, and your curiosity will never be satiated in college. It just stimulates your curiosity. But I think of, uh, you know, there are a lot of kids that go to school just to get a degree, and they do all sorts of just to get the degree. And then when they get 50 and 60, some of them go back because they want to learn. I mean, that's such a paradox. And you're there now. This is an opportunity to learn, to gain wisdom, to explore. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about that as well in terms of your experience with the students you advise. <laughs> well, I think perhaps it's a fundamental human characteristic of we all want what we don't have. So um, in, in the case of in college, I mean, when I'm just thinking back to my own experience, I couldn't wait to get out. But then when I was out, I couldn't wait to return to school because there were all these things that were so great about college that I didn't appreciate when I was there. So maybe it's just a fundamental experience of life of it being hard to sell preventative medicine and us not appreciating something until it's over. But when it comes to um, making the most of this college experience and, 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 and adopting this growth mindset, one of the things that I tell my students a lot is that in school, you learn by being spoon-fed. You're told what the syllabus is. You're told where to read it in the textbook. You just need to show up to class, stay awake, take notes, and remember, and you'll be all set. However, learning in the real world doesn't happen this way at all. It happens in two ways. One, by Googling for the answer. And two, by building relationships with other people, asking them questions, or observing them on the job. And what people don't appreciate is that, well, those are the three ways, two and a half ways that you build that, that you build your knowledge base that is fundamentally incompatible or at odds with how we're taught to learn in school. And so it's actually no surprise to me that so many people stop learning because they're waiting to be spoon-fed when in reality, that's not how things work. Okay. Well, there's a lot to that. Uh, college is such a wonderful experience and you're so right. You'll go through an experience. All you want to do is get out of it. And then years later, you'll look back and say, gosh, that was such a great experience. I wish I appreciated it more. I think it's one of those things you learn along the way. And then as you get older, you learn to really appreciate the things that are coming your way and live more in the present maybe is is a hard thing to do, but that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit now and, and finish off the show, talking a little bit more about that individual that's going into his last year, his senior year. And... Uh, advice again from my one of my grandsons is apply to jobs go to apply early get some internships and that would be before your senior year Uh, Mm -hmm. what is the advice that you give your students whoops I think we're out of time let's let's uh, let's I think we're gonna have to come back for touch that on the next segment I see the signal here so we're gonna be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor 
Gork Ng, who authored Bestselling the Unspoken Rules. You'll find all of our show notes and links at TheMentorsRadio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our shows. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have my pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash MENTORS. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash MENTORS or click the banner on our website. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business, business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with the Wall Street Journal's best-selling author and Harvard College advisor, Gork Ng. We're talking about what I wished I had known when I began my freshman and senior years. We've talked a lot about uh, coming into college, and I think the whole college experience. What it would be specific advice you'd give that student that's entering his or her senior year? I'd give three pieces of advice, academically, professionally, and personally. So academically, If you're thinking at all about graduate school, this is the time to take those standardized tests, whether it's the GMAT or the GRE or the MCAT or what have you, because you're still in school mode. You still understand whatever equation and this other formula, it's going to be that much harder for you to pick these concepts up again for these standardized tests if you're taking these tests one, two, three years out of, of university. The second is professionally. And the advice I have here is to, number one, make a list of what companies you're interested in working for. Two, bookmarking their application pages. Three, making a note of what those deadlines are. Four, making a list of people who can introduce you to folks at those organizations. Five, setting up coffee chats, virtual meet and greets, phone calls with people behind the scenes. And six, um, putting yourself out there and getting referred to these jobs versus waiting for someone to magically pluck your resume from a big pile that may never get looked at. 
that's how people get jobs. And then finally, when it comes to professionally, or rather personally, my advice here is to meet as many people as possible. There may be friends, maybe not even friends of yours, but people that you had met or didn't meet in your first year. I'm thinking back to, there were students that I'd met on orientation weekend that I hadn't crossed paths with at all for my four years. And we came out of the woodwork after finishing our senior theses and whatnot. And we were now breathing the sweet air and finally looking up from our textbooks. This is an amazing time to build relationships with these people, which I mean is code for party with them, go out to dinners with them, meet them, uh, play sports with them. I, I remember in my last few weeks of college, there was this, for lack of a better word, there was this panic partying because everyone was thinking to themselves, oh my goodness, this is the last time we're going to be in such a densely populated student community where it's so easy to meet each other and it's so not awkward to meet each other. We should at least break the ice with these people um, because it's going to give us permission to contact them again. And six months from now, you'll thank me uh, out of school because you'll soon realize, as I did, that whereas before in college, you may have been five minutes away from your friends, well, now you might be a five-hour flight away from your friends. And it's going to be that much more difficult to break the ice with them if you haven't already done so in college. Yeah. And uh, as you know, I work with people that are out of work. It's one of the avocations I have. 80% of all the jobs that are filled are filled through people who network and references. Only 20% are indeed.com and all the monster and whatever. And it's amazing to me how people will just pick one job after another and send the resume and they have no luck getting a job. It's all about the, and that, and that part of that is learning how to sell yourself, know yourself so you can sell yourself. So you can move along. And uh, that, that's a big part of it. People don't know how to sell themselves. So you got to think through that, but we're going to run out of time here. And I really appreciate you coming on. we got to get you on again. Uh, that's it till next week. We're out of time. Uh, Gork, thanks for taking your time to share your wisdom with us. We've been visiting with best-selling author and Harvard student counselor, Gork Eng. We'll have links to his best-selling book and his uh, links to his website on our website, mentorsradio.com. When there, make sure you look at past shows with previous mentors and make sure you subscribe to future shows. You can also listen to us online, any device, anytime, on any podcast platform, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of the Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember, be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.